Welcome back, Big Fact Freaks and No Cap Chaps, to another episode of Big Facts No Cap, the only podcast that's number one with demonic popes and kids see ghosts. I'm Adrian, as always, here with my friend Paul. Let's get big factin', let's get no cappin'. Big Facts. No. Cap. Big Facts. No. Cap. No cap. Big Facts. No. Cap. Big Facts. No. Cap. No cap. Big Facts. No. Cap. No cap. Uh, are you drinking muscle milk right now? I am drinking a thing because I didn't have time for dinner. Oh, Paul, we could have we could have pushed back if you wanted to make yourself a nutritious meal. No, no, no. You need your energy if we're gonna do the spooky episode, right? Well, before we get into the uh, spookiness, is there anything we need to catch up on? Anything we need to talk about? We need to talk about. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Anything you uh have to say for yourself? No. Okay, cool. I've had a pretty boring week, but I've consumed a lot of media, so I have a pretty good media roundup. Um, I did, and I hope uh, some of our viewers did as well, uh, take Paul's suggestion to uh, start watching Inside Number 9. And, oh, uh, wow, awesome. wow, wow. What a good show. Yeah, I want. I really want to hear your opinion on it because it's kind of unique. So it's like something where it's nice to hear other people's thoughts. Yeah, I think it's excellent. I don't think there's. Um, I think the one episode that you told me to skip was indeed the only episode so far that I was like, eh, not a good one. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, I thought it was great. Uh, I have like some small notes on every episode of just kind of my general impression. But obviously, that season two episode two, like, poof, like one of the best pieces of television I've I've seen in like a couple years. Which which episode was that? You got to remind me, since it is an anthology. It's like <laughs> the numbers don't do much. The Twelve Days of Christine. Uh, okay. Episode. Okay. Yeah. The, the use of lighting the second time you watch it, which I have watched it twice <laughs> uh, over the week, uh, is so incredible. Uh, re- really good episode. And what one thing I do like about it, in comparison to a lot of other anthologies, is that you don't really know what tone you're gonna get yeah, before yeah, yeah. you start an episode, and. I really don't know if I've ever watched an anthology that's done that. Like, I guess some Black Mirror episodes are different, but they all basically take the same approach of, like, techno-dystopia. Maybe some are a little bit happier. Uh, but this anthology, like, legitimately... Yeah, there's a really you... nice uh, love story one, right? What's that one? Um, uh, San Junipero? Yeah, San Junipero, yeah. Um, But that one was even, like, I think people might have misunderstood that one because i kind of thought it was a dark ending where it just turns out they're in a server together forever that kind of was like i don't know i even think that was kind of a hint of like jesus like i don't know i I, that kind of gave me a creepy feeling that they were going to be in a server together forever but um Mm. so i guess we know that commitment is what paul really feared (laughs) (laughs) But I, I've been I've been on record before many times with I guess kind of edgy opinion that I think Black Mirror is like a middling show at best and a weak show at its worst moments. So, um, yeah, I don't I can't remember any Black Mirror episodes that really blew my mind to be honest. And mostly what I get because of my profession is people telling me to watch the Bees episode, mm. um, which I finally did, and it really, yeah, they have nothing to okay. do with bees, right? They're mechanical bees in that episode. Yeah. It's, it's just that surface level of a thing. Yeah, it's literally, yeah, yeah. It's, it's literally that surface level. 
They're like, you like bees. <laughs> That's like when an old person hears I did computer engineering and asks me like, oh, so you probably, you, you like, they're like, oh, so you can probably help me with this problem on my phone. And it's like, I don't know if you're being cute or you're actually stupid, but either way, I don't, I don't enjoy that joke. But yeah, back to uh, inside, inside number nine. Yeah, I do like that every episode you don't know what you're in for, except I would say the only overarching theme is it's gonna have some comedy and it's gonna have some horror to like very weirdly like different amounts (laughs) yeah and so um ooh, now that i'm looking at my notes well i don't know i don't think that's totally true but season two i'm only halfway through but those have all been bangers like the first episode the uh the la couchette um i don't know if i'm saying that right but um i love that jack whitehall isn't it I'm I'm a fan of his from uh what I lie to you and seeing him on like British Oh yeah shows. yeah yeah. And I do like how they portray Australians <laughs> because <laughs> as far as I know uh, that's been that's pretty accurate. <laughs> um and then like I said that second episode's amazing and then the third episode um the trial of whatever the witch lady uh, <laughs> easily one of the funniest episodes and then it's got like a really good double whammy twist at the end i like that they kind of do that the episodes that have a setting where like aesthetically it's the most horror they'll make it the most funny episode but everybody's dressed up like a witch or something and then the episodes that are in suburban america are just like psychological horror when it's like set in a cute like suburban house or something yeah absolutely um but beyond that uh which i've really enjoyed uh, I watched Audition, which is a very kind of like famous uh, horror movie. Um, actually, so in Phil's episode, he mentioned Itchy the Killer, and this is from the same director. I didn't enjoy it, but then I looked up the lore behind it, and I realized that um, the issue for American audiences is that it's a Japanese movie that was released and marketed in Japan as a romance movie. So the whole cultural uh, idea behind it was that people went to the movie theater expecting a, just a basic romance story and then the last 30 minutes really takes you for a very gory ride um whereas americans get told you should watch this movie because it's super scary and then you spend an hour and a half watching a romance movie and then you finally get something at the end and you're like Ugh, that was a long wait <laughs> um and i think that's why a lot of americans don't like it so like yeah it, it wasn't really wait my but favorite movie. japanese people enjoyed that they were like oh we love being lied to by marketing and showing up for a date night and then having a like it all ruined by being freaked out i don't think it explains the enjoyment of it i think it explains the like the mythos around like oh this is a movie that people walked out of uh, okay. that's what that's how scary it is like and that like you know when you get the context it's like well, <laughs> no wonder people walked out <laughs> but yeah that doesn't seem like a good mythos at that point because it's like <laughs> i could make a movie that was like <laughs> that started out as a romance for 20 minutes and then was a hour static and people would walk out of that too I don't know <laughs> if that proves anything <laughs> uh very true paul and i ben shapiro and that is my facts and logic and uh, japanese people don't know how to make films a film should be about what it's about. <laughs> so we have new music from another Michael. And given their personality of their music, of course, they listed it uh, as a two single release called New Music. So uh, I highly recommend that. Boring for the Times is a really good song. Check that out. You mentioning music by a new Michael has remind me reminded me of another Michael, Mr. Open Mike Eagle, who released music. Ooh. And we're going to do a full review next week of the... Uh, of the album. Yeah, so we're not going to spoil any opinions there, but I won't spoil an opinion. But he did say on Twitter, and one of the like standout songs on the record is 
a black since we were talking about black mirror so, uh, yeah I, I wasn't gonna bring it up because i wanted it to be a surprise for next week but yes very relevant to your black mirror discussion yes <laughs> such a, a black mirror episode ruined my marriage and he said publicly on twitter he will not tell us which episode ruined his well, marriage goddamn. and it's like maybe it was san junipero maybe he has the same interpretation you do I, and, that's uh, kind of what I was thinking. I literally, that's, <laughs> because I started scrolling through the episodes and I was like, what episode could have gotten them into such a big fight that it ruined their marriage? Either that yeah. or the one about Street Fighter made him realize he's gay. I, I don't know. Oh, yeah. Either that or um, the bees episode, because one of them likes bees and the other one doesn't. <laughs> um, but yeah, we'll definitely talk. Uh, we'll talk your ear off about that album next week. But um Really exciting news is that Decca is coming out with a new album. He just put out a single, Clay Pigeons. Uh, very good, consistent quality. Uh, doesn't seem like a huge departure from his last album, but I'm super, super excited about it. Um, one of my absolute like top three favorite artists. And um, oh, what I like is that he releases his music on Bandcamp, which has a pay what you want model. So um, you know, I'm not a uh, I'm not flushed with cash, but I, I paid a little bit over double what he was asking because I'm just so excited and so happy to have uh, new music from Decca. So talking about artists who can give me exactly what they've given me before and I'll be perfectly happy, like I don't need an album where they switch it up or do something different, is Jay Electronica released a new album that I can't listen mm. to yet because it is just on um, Tidal, Jay-Z's Tidal platform. But man, I mean, a written testimony, a lot of people were disappointed with it because it was like, what, well, we waited 10 years and this is what we got with like, and yeah. I was... I, I loved it, man. It came out last year. It's kind of a great album. Uh, I don't know. I feel like people were... I think people wanted it to be bad, maybe, so they could say everybody who waited that long was being foolish. I don't know what it was, but mm. I thought it had, like, a lot of great... a lot of great raps on there. And, uh, yeah, I can't wait to... I mean, people are already saying the new one is more J Electronica. Um, so, I mean, I'm pretty much guaranteed that it's going to be gonna be a success for me when i listen to it nice that sounds dope uh i know fantano's review was um a little bit critical of it so yeah yeah and part of what i was saying about people being uh, a little negative on the last one was fantano was also negative on the last one and i love fantano uh-huh. but he does set the uh discussion the tone of discussions so yeah, once yeah. he has an opinion everybody on reddit's gonna have that opinion sometimes it does suck that it's like I kind of want to know what people would have thought outside of just yeah, yeah, yeah. parroting parroting Fantano's opinion back at me. Um, but also, uh, I feel like a lot of people hate Fantano too much. He's he's, he's a pretty cool, seems like a pretty cool dude. With seems like a nice opinions, guy. And I enjoy listening to his reviews. <laughs> not to be, not to Rick and Morty him, and I hate doing this with people, but I guess it's not him that I have any sort of issue with. It's his fan base, which is... <laughs> kind of a boring cliche point to make it now i feel like everybody just said that about every like nerdy piece of media oh i, I it's fine but the fan base sucks yeah which is uh, one of those things that i've said before where it's like the rick and morty fan base doesn't bother me because i don't work in mcdonald's and i just avoid them online <laughs> it's not that hard to like avoid an annoying fan base but yeah, i don't know yeah it, it, the i don't like a fan base of something is such a weird point and it's become such so, and i'm I'm guilty of saying it for things, too. And I don't really know what it means. It's like when people say, oh, this music isn't, like, technically good, but it's a vibe. And it's just, like, 
saying oh this thing is good but the fan base sucks is another one where it's like i'm not really sure if that means anything at this point other than i want to like tamper my opinion or i don't want to i i want to say my opinion but i don't want to like go too hard at it in case somebody like says they disagree it's basically Mm -hmm. all i can really chalk that up to i don't know what point i'm making but it's like half stating an opinion to put those qualifiers it's it's kind of a a do-nothing endorsement um yeah, I don't know. It reminds me of like uh, one of my friends in high school told me that he didn't like soccer because the fans were too crazy. And I was like, then don't go to a live game in like Brazil. Like, <laughs> What are you talking about? That's so easy to avoid. <laughs> he was like, there are soccer games where people will riot afterwards and people will be killed. And I was like, then don't go watch Bucket Jr. Wait, versus River Plate. Like fucking like that's their problem with it. What sort of nerd were you yeah, thinking out with? <laughs> you, I think you would know if I said the name. But yeah, uh, it's such a dumb argument. Um, but speaking of soccer, uh, really big Milan update. After the international break, we're back to the season. We had the big derby de la Madanina against Inter. Came away 2-1 winners. Very kind of a nail-bitey game. Uh, we definitely didn't do it in the easiest way possible, but man, 20 games unbeaten since uh, we got back from COVID. Uh, so awesome, awesome form we're in right now. Very exciting. Last two things really quick that I want to do in my roundup. On Politically Reactive, which I've mentioned on here before, Hari Kondabulu and uh, Kamal Bell's uh, podcast, they had an interview with Cori Bush that was excellent. Wow, 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 that woman is inspiring. Nice. Just one of those people that were like, that makes me like glad that they decided to go into politics because they're the kind of people that we need. Yeah, she was great. Uh, and then kind of on the same uh, tone, uh, the uh, big win in Bolivia. Great news to hear today. So. No, yeah, not really. Oh my god, and just seeing, like, all those people who were, like, cheering on the coup, all of a sudden, mm-hmm. like, backtracking. Ah, we can't get into politics, we can't get into politics, so I'll go on a rant. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, I'm just, I'm just giving the shout, shout out, out to the Moss. Shout out to Moss. Yeah. Alright, Paul, did you have any media you wanted to round up? I think I really kind of uh, took the reins there for a while, but, um, just a lot of, a lot of stuff that made me happy this week. No, 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 no. Um, I, I really didn't do too much tv or music this week um so nothing i really need to dive into or recommend right on well you want to do uh adrian's beer corner and then get into the episode since we got a good bit of uh stuff to cover today so what, what's what's that nice amber that i see in front of you adrian oh that is a jack rabbit citrus shine west coast ipa okay so not an amber i apologize to the audience <laughs> i will go ahead and delete my twitter um i'm sorry for i'm sorry for that everybody this is when Hillary Clinton tweets out, delete your account at Paul. <laughs> <laughs> Paul's over party. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, uh, you know, IPAs, they all kind of taste the same. This one's, you know, it's a West Coast, so it's a little bit more dank. It's a little, little hoppy. Oh, uh, that hyphy IPA. It's the hyphy IPA. There's no <laughs> way, there's no way that a brewery hasn't called one of their beers like the hyphy or something. <laughs> oh, we could have a whole beer corner dedicated to finding like bad beer pun names. Um... I think my least favorite one that I've ever seen is from Noda in Charlotte. The Brown Note. <laughs> That's not even a pun. That's not it's a the pun. Brown Note Brown Ale. And oh. the artwork on the can the is a guy ale. in white. Yeah, there's a guy in like uh, tidy whiteies with like shit stains in his pants. And it's like, why, why did you think this would? What? 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 Yeah. <laughs> why are you doing this? Yeah, last time I tried to talk about uh, Charlotte beers, Adrian cut that out of the episode, so this time I'm going to go ahead and put a request that he doesn't. If you're going to Noda Brewing in, in Charlotte, just drive down the street, go down Craighead, go to Divine Barrel, get yourself some beer from Divine, the superior brewery mm. in the Noda area. All right. 
yeah, so uh, just a pretty good IPA. Like, I mean, I wouldn't go out of my way to get it, but uh, pretty solid. Okay, nice, nice. Um, Adrian does the same ranking as Michelin-starred restaurants are, where one star is go to it if you're local, two star is it's worth going out of the way, three star is it's worth going out of the country to go to the restaurant. Yeah, so, uh, all right, we're out of Beer Corner. Uh, we're officially exiting Beer Corner. Uh, Paul, you wanna let's get into this app. Yeah, yeah, let's do it, buddy. All right. Uh, did you want to do any kind of thematic talk? Like, do you want to talk about your history with Halloween? Do you want to talk about your best costumes that you ever wore? Because we're specifically, this is our Halloween episode. It's getting released right before. <laughs> Big fat cap Halloween special. Paul, I do like the aesthetic of you being under your blanket, lighting yourself with a flashlight for this episode. It's uh, that's a cool setup. Yeah, yeah. I, I, and I thought you would appreciate it. It is hard to record. And not, like, make a lot of sound on the mic <laughs> under my blanket. But yeah. I think it's worth it. I think it's worth it for you to, for us to kind of get into that, that mode, that energy, that, if you will, vibe. Paul's vibing right now. I have a question for you in relation to this. Before that, I'll tell some things that come to mind when you ask me about Halloween and costumes. Which is, mm-hmm. as a child, I had one of those scream masks where you would put, like, the corn syrup with the red dye in it. And then you would, like, pump oh, the fake yeah, blood. Yeah. And that mask really wowed people in my neighborhood. And some houses, actually, I didn't know this. And maybe maybe this is something special to my neighborhood. It made me feel really proud. Was They would have a special jar of better candy for people who impressed them. <laughs> That's I would so get, awesome. I would get, like, the big Snickers from houses that weren't giving big Snickers to everybody. <laughs> that happened at, like, three houses one year. And I was like, the fuck is this? Like, what is the secret I didn't know about until I got this costume? <laughs> um, Dude, what an exclusive club. I, I know. Does every neighborhood do, do that? Or was that, like, just... Like, Paul just goes up to a house. The dad sees him, and he's just, like... He goes over, he shuffles over, he picks up the house keys, and he says, you know what? Take it, kid. You earned it. That's what Here's it my car like. keys. Here's my wife. Um, and then the other thing was around Halloween time, I remember once as a child, uh, my neighbor was a homeschooled kid, so he was friends with other homeschooled kids, and we were quite good friends, so I remember hanging out with him, and he had, like, a, 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 a gaggle of homeschooled people over to his house that, uh, that day, and it was, mm-hmm. like, coming up to Halloween, and it was nighttime, so we were all the kids outside hanging out together, and I remember, uh, being like, oh, we should all tell scary stories, um, mm-hmm. And so we start telling scary stories and one of the uh one of the homeschooled kids who was a year younger than us he was in uh in my friend's grade my next door neighbor so he was in sixth grade I remember he goes inside like 10 minutes later his like uh, and i thought like just to use the bathroom and like a little bit later his mom comes outside and is like giving me a talk about how it's not appropriate like the things i was talking about and it's not like they were sex or cursing stories <laughs> She was, yeah. like, asking me to stop telling scary stories because they weren't appropriate. And her son, I guess when he got in to use the bathroom, had uh, come and told her that some mean person... I don't know what the oh situation was. That's but awesome. It was, like, it, as a child, it was, like... It's odd because I was, like, kind of a nice child who was, like, differential to um, authority, at least when they were in front of me. I was kind of a badass when they were far away. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was differential to authority, at least. So I, I didn't know how to react because I kind of knew it was ridiculous, but I also was just like felt guilty. I, I was a child who felt guilty about a lot of things. <laughs> well, so, you did grow up Catholic. Yeah, fair enough. Um, 
Which we can talk about exorcisms too, if you want to. If, if we're talking about spooky stuff in Halloween, I have a story that is eerily similar to that. And that's the only connection I have to Halloween is that it's eerily similar. Um, I was at this dude's house. Uh, I actually started hanging out with him because uh, my sister was friends with uh, his sister because they were the same grade. I think he was like a grade or two below me. But we were hanging out and he took me to spend the night at this other person's house. So it was like this very tangential. I barely knew the host at all. Didn't know what they were like. Didn't know what their values were. Should have been tipped off by the fact that they lived in Gilbert, kind of in the middle of the nowhere and middle of nowhere, kind of like my family. Um, but they had that like, you know, the fridge magnets that are letters so you can like spell out stuff. And so at some point during the night while we were hanging out, I just thought it'd be fun to see what kind of like if I could use all the letters to make cohesive words or whatever. And so one of the words that I made uh, was hemp. And when I woke up the next morning, I woke up to a scolding from their mom because it was inappropriate that I put the word hemp on their uh, uh, refrigerator. And it was the exact same thing where I was like, that's fucking ridiculous. <laughs> and uh, But I was still like a little kid being berated by an adult mom. And I was like, all right, I, I, I don't know what to do. I, and then I also get very like in a way that I can't really control. I get very anxious and emotional about being like berated like that. So, yeah, yeah, that's was... a good way to put it over anxious. The same way, like I would feel even if I knew I was in the right as a child, I'd feel very emotional and anxious when an adult was like upset with me. Um, oh, and you're a little kid. Like it's hard. To, well, I wasn't like a little kid. I was, this is like middle school, but still like it's hard to process the emotions of feeling like you're unjustifiably being yeah. scolded and then still being scolded at. And so, yeah, that's the uh, exact same thing. Which happened so to me a lot. I feel like because we grew up in like a religious place, especially around religion and stuff. There's a lot of like that's exactly what it was. Yeah. Like this unjustified like upsetness with like how some adult treated me or did to me uh i guess let me tell one more story and we'll jump into the article this is one i've told to you before it was leaving your house when i was still basically on your property and i was in high school and uh so i was driving at this point and i drove to drop you back off at home after we'd hung out a dirt road leads leads to adrian's house uh driving right by a uh, pond mm -hmm. and so as i was driving to drop off adrian it was like a kind of sunny day and it rained earlier some a father and two children were like uh fishing on the pond so drive by drop off adrian like five minutes later you know after the goodbyes i am driving back out to leave the dad with his two children on the dirt road leading up to adrian's house which is kind of like your driveway like you're the only person that lives on that road um, yeah so he steps out on the road so i have to push on my brakes and he's like putting his hand up and he comes up to the window and i mean he has two children who are like young like either preschool or young elementary school um and he starts yelling at me he's like you think it's funny you punk teenager to splash us with water with your car when you're driving by and i was like i did not purpose like if i like accidentally hit a puddle and splashed you with water i did not do it on purpose he's just screaming at me uh, mm -hmm. on your driveway and i just like literally i think that made me upset for a week i didn't know how to deal with it <laughs> like i was just like how yeah. can the world yeah how can somebody be like that <laughs> like uh yeah it's, so it's a uh, the psychological phenomenon is a uh, phenomenon is attribution error right mm. where anytime we do something wrong we we assume there's a reason to justify it and it's like a, a circumstance it's a situation it's like you had a bad day and that's why i was angry and anytime someone else does something wrong it's because you assume at their core they're a bad person and so even now, like uh, like last year, a woman at Trader Joe's called me an asshole at Trader Joe's because I like accidentally cut her off because I thought she was a parked car and not someone turning right into the parking lot. And Trader Joe's parking lots are like notorious for like being a place that 
like infuriates white women <laughs> um and it turns them into the worst part of themselves but yeah old white woman comes in a middle-aged white woman comes in and yells at me and like uh asks if i saw her or something and i was like honestly no and she was like you're a dickhead and like that took me a week to get over <laughs> i was like i don't know what to tell you lady <laughs> yeah i i guess your story is bad I, I feel like that that hasn't ever happened to me in charlotte and i always in my mind attribute and i have a few stories like that from either people trying to pick fights with me in like fast food parking lots or adults like dude randomly. paul was always trying to get in a scuffle at waffle house man that's like a <laughs> that's a rite of passage in the south like literally shit like that where i knew i was like a kind sensitive person especially as a kid and like the random things that would like happen with adults like the story i just told like they've left me with such a chip on my shoulder about lexington in the south where i just like in my mind i'm just like even the adults are all like morons and uh, incomprehensibly dumb people with like yeah. no sense of morality or how to behave and that's the scariest thing of all one of these days i need to go to therapy and get over my problems with lexington honestly yeah (laughs) i think we get like 10 free sessions with our insurance so i gotta make them count but all right are we ready to uh are we ready to jump into the articles yeah i think i should go first because i think yours is a better transition into the actual scary stuff we want to do at the end whereas mine's kind of more of like a we're just going to talk about halloween so this is ask uh ask andrew wk from the village voice uh i don't really know too much about this guy like i kind of perused his articles i think he's a musician he might have been in a band before he's like known for being a big partier he's also big on like spirituality and love and like one of the uh, advice columns that i saved for a later date possibly was like someone just writing in and being like hey your worldview is naive how do you deal with that (laughs) um but he seems like a very like you know it's all love man He's a motivational speaker and a musician, and that seems to be what he does. Uh, and then also kind of known for, like, in his past, being, like, a big, like, partier with, like, heavy drugs and stuff. So, yeah, definitely more um, Kitty Pride than uh, Abby Kitty. or Dear Abby. Yeah. You said Katie. We get, we got a record. Yeah. We, yeah, we'll we got check audio it. record of this. I, I demand right. you leave this in. I demand you leave this in for the <laughs> okay, audience yeah, to see will, how fucking yeah. stupid you are yeah oh, we'll see who's the stupid one my friend uh sound off in the comments you think paul's a little dumb dumb head uh so this is ask andrew wk um and then this one's specifically titled this titled the science of halloween um it's from october 29th 2014 here we go hey andrew believe it or not i really don't like halloween out of all my friends and family, I'm the only one who dreads this time of year and doesn't get excited about dressing up or going out and doing spooky stuff. I've always been this way. I just don't believe in this sort of stuff, like ghosts, goblins, haunted houses, and all that supernatural nonsense. I believe in rational thought and science. And to be honest, it creeps me out to see so many millions of people allow themselves to get into such an obviously shallow frame of mind every year during this holiday. How can I participate in Halloween without bringing everyone else down, while at the same time not compromising my belief that all of this is moronic? Signed, Halloween Hater. Wait, what? (laughs) This guy thinks that everybody who participates in Halloween believes in ghosts and goblins? (laughs) This is just the worst person. That's is awesome. Content warning. That. This is going to be another one where we attack the uh, question asker mercilessly. I'm not sure. Like, I think this idiot. person might be so stupid that it wraps back around. So I'm like, I'm kind of glad you exist. Oh, it's like a horseshoe theory thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's so annoying and unlike. It's like Sheldon from the Big Bang Theory. It's like he's so annoying yeah. and unlikable. It's kind of lovable. I did censor out where he said Bazinga in the middle of this. <laughs> 
You know what really hurts about this is that I used to be, I, I definitely went through like an angsty atheist phase. And this seems like someone who's going through that same phase. Like I remember telling my uh, girlfriend in high school uh, that if we ever like were together in the future and like had a family or something, I was like, I don't think I would celebrate Christmas because I so I see no reason to. Like I'm not like I have no like reason to be like to co-opt that religious uh, whatever. Where like obviously the answer is like it's obviously not a religious holiday at this point. Like it's it's just a whole other thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like I feel like that kind of cringe I feel when I said that is how I, I feel an empathetic cringe for this person of like... I also don't celebrate Martin Luther King Jr. Day because I don't believe he existed, so... <laughs> I, I get it. I, I, I kind of see what high school Adrian was saying. Yeah, it just seems like the same thing. Like, it's just a really... The only reason they have this opinion is so that they can tell people that they're a rational skeptic and, like, share how smart they are for having these views. Yeah, you know, there's... Uh, uh, conservatives and reactionaries are always talking about the war on Christmas. I didn't know that there was some people who were waging a war on Halloween for not being a rational enough <laughs> holiday. Um, yeah, exactly. I think we found the guy who, <laughs> who takes issue with Halloween for not being facts-based enough. That's, uh, that's funny, man. I don't... I, you know i'm I'm just glad that he does that because it's not rational he doesn't let his kids read harry potter so that's great the only video game he lets them play is uh pokemon because there's evolution in it i guess that's my question about it it's like i wonder what other things he uh he doesn't take part in because they're not rational enough what's like a corollary to halloween like you said reading harry potter like obviously that's engaging in a fantasy for the fun of it kind of like halloween is yeah um I don't know. Do you think like he like Easter and Christmas is kind of the same thing, right? Like I was saying before. Well, maybe he's religious, so sometimes these weirdos are religious, so he might actually be cool with it. Yeah, but he's not attacking it from like a religious standpoint, right? Like that was like the Harry Potter thing was like my neighbor's parents wouldn't let them read Harry Potter because there was and the Pokemon example was also like they wouldn't they were against them playing Pokemon. I think they still let them play, but they didn't like that there was evolution in it. And I feel like that's where like religious people come at Halloween is like you shouldn't be even if you're joking you shouldn't try and like do anything with the devil because like you shouldn't risk it because he's that he's an actual thing that can come and get you but he sounds so deluded and weird in his thinking that it almost makes me want to be like nice and gentle to him like he might just need like somebody to help him stop being so obnoxious mm. oh. so what would you say to him if you saw this person face to face i'll say bitch get yourself together son <laughs> that's how i talk <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I know I put on that's this, Paul's like, uh, real talk voice. Yeah, I know I put on this three B voice for the podcast, but that's just because that's what podcasters want. Paul does a lot of code switching. Yeah, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't go to like haunted houses because I think that there's actual ghosts in there, right? Like it's just the fun of being kind of scared and being immersed in these really fun atmospheres. Like I, I don't know. It's it's like the fact that he can't detach those two things is is that's like a I fundamentally uh, have a trouble understanding that point of view. Yeah. I, I, I wish we had a more holistic view of this person, because if they believe this about Halloween, they definitely are obnoxious in about a hundred other ways. But I yeah. do, I'm kind of upset we can't tell what sort of crank he is. We only know he's a crank and a weirdo. Oh, so, okay, so this is what I, uh, what I imagine he also thinks. And this is one that really upsets me a little bit, because I feel like it's the right opinion. But there's been this cultural backlash against people who don't like astrology. Like, it's a very millennial thing to be into astrology, even if it's ironic. And, like, the idea of someone, like, just being a, like, totally dry, like, I, it's all bullshit. I don't really care for it. I don't even think it's fun. There's, like, a backlash against that opinion. There definitely and I, I, is. I really hate that because that's, like, it's, like, I get it. If, if you want to do it, that's fine. But, like, don't, like, come at me and, like, or don't. 
uh be upset when i make a fun of like the fact that or i make jokes about being like a capricorn moon or whatever it's like a venus sun or whatever i don't even know what the terminology is but like yeah it's one of those things where i would be that guy in this situation except i'm obviously not aggressive about it and i obviously don't like fundamentally misunderstand that some people are doing this ironically or just enjoy it because it's a fun communal thing to be a part of yeah no for sure i understand 100 percent what you're saying about like the backlash to being the type of like person who's pedantic enough to like mock astrology Mm -hmm. even though it is like such a mockable thing because i definitely have zero faith in astrology but either keep my mouth shut that's what an aries would say so i already know what you're talking about (laughs) i mean i feel the same way about like personality tests so like i don't know there's absolutely Uh, but but i'll go on i'll go on record saying those are definitely worse than astrology because the veneer of intellectualism makes it 10 times yeah absolutely at least astrology it's like all right, like, you're claiming it's magic. Like, at least on some level, I can't really argue with, like, with that. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I can argue with it, but it's like, I can't really... If you believe in it, you believe in it. The whole point is it's faith, right? Like, I can't... Right. So, the other memory I have of this that really annoyed me is uh, I had this teacher... uh, She actually won an award the year that I had her for being, like, for the district of, like, being an excellent teacher... Um, but one thing I really didn't like is she was really into uncredited science, like science that's been debunked, but like she was probably taught during her time. She was talking about like tongue map all the time. Where you take <laughs> Stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> and so uh, she spent one part of our, our class talking about right brain versus left brain, which is pr- mm. a pretty like debunked uh, idea about the brain. Um, but she was like asking people like, are you right-handed or left-handed? And they'd be like, oh, I'm left-handed. She'd be like, oh, so you probably keep your room pretty clean, right? And they'd be like, no, not really. And she'd be like, oh, but like, you're probably more into math than like arts, right? And they're like, no, I like art better. <laughs> and, like, just like trying to like, because of your right-handed or left-handed, I can like guess these things about you. And it's like, it's so obviously wrong. And you're an educator. And that's the thing that bothers me. Like, if you want to be some random person going around trying to do that, fine. But you're, you're you're in charge of educating people and teaching them how to think critically. And that's what really upset me about the way that she conducted herself. That's my little rant for today. I still have a grudge against that teacher. But this does remind me of a ex I had who was deathly afraid of ghosts. Like legitimately like would sometimes feel in danger of a ghost attack um, when she was mm. in a place alone. And it was one of those things where I just had such a like hard time explaining to her oh my god i sound like such a pedantic nerd i'm the worst (laughs) but like i had such a hard time explaining it's like look like i don't believe in ghosts and guess what's never happened to me i've never been i've like all these things that you think are proof that a spirit is attacking you like your house being loud or like such and such thing happening or like a cold current going through the room whatever proof you have that a ghost is near you like explain to me why you the person who cares about magic and uses crystals and like all these things why they're somehow still getting around those defenses but me somebody who doesn't believe in it at all seems to be perfectly safe in all occasions and never have to ward off ghost attacks like it's quite are you maybe inviting it in by caring about and thinking about these things all the time as an issue in your life like mentally if you believe in ghosts, I guess you believe in ghosts. And hey, maybe some people are, uh, you know what? Maybe I'm just such a good person that ghosts didn't want to attack me and she was a sinner. Probably maybe. in like a past life. Yeah, yeah. Maybe that was it. Maybe ghosts are 100% real and it's uh, her fault for being attacked by them. I think uh, ghosts just don't find me sexually attractive. So that's why they leave me alone. Yeah, yeah. Same for me. 
And then the uh, actually I fucked a couple of ghosts. Uh, fuck you, bye. Oh, you like Kesha? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so like focusing back in, I know I think you're gonna disagree with this, but I think this is one of those ones where if I saw this person face to face, I would be like, get over yourself, and that would be kind of like end of my advice to them. Mm. Yeah, like, get I over mean, yourself and just have some fun. I might humor the person and leave the conversation. I I don't even know how I'd react to it as an advice giver, as a professional advice giver. Yeah. I think you're right. Mm. Um, hey, hey, son, you put your hand on their shoulder. Son, look, you gotta learn to gotta learn to take yourself less seriously. Just have a good time. Yeah. Uh, you don't have to do a remix of uh, Travis Scott's "Highest in the Room," uh, "Highest IQ in the Room." Does that work? <laughs> Is this not... thing on? <laughs> uh, yeah. So yeah, that's basically my advice. I, I, I particularly feel passionate about this because Halloween's my favorite holiday. I, I love this time of year and uh, Halloween parties are always fucking litty. I'm a huge fan. And uh, I, I think that if this is your barrier to having fun during Halloween, that's really dumb. Mm. All right. You want to hear the uh, Andrew WK's answer? Yep. Dear Halloween hater, you don't need to enjoy dressing up for Halloween and you certainly don't need to believe in stuff you don't want to. But maybe you can celebrate Halloween in a different way. For you, maybe Halloween can be the time of year where you allow yourself to not believe in your beliefs. Even if just for one day, see what it feels like to doubt that which you think is undoubtable. Embrace the horrifying spirit of the unknown, the untested, and the unproven. Allow yourself to be skeptical of everything, even the idea of skepticism. On Halloween, allow yourself to live in a world for one day where certain things cannot be explained, wrapped up, or proven. Allow yourself to exist between the known and the unknown, the rational and the irrational, the heavens and the earth the earth and the hell, the humans and monstrous, the demonic and angelic, the tangible and ghostly, the good and the evil. Just because you don't believe in something, supernatural nonsense, doesn't mean it isn't real, or maybe even beyond the very concept of real. This is the spirit of Halloween, and it's a science all on its own. Paul, any uh, thoughts so far? I like the tactic they're taking, and I think it's probably a way better tactic than just telling this person to get over themselves if we were being honest like that would just make them defensive this be skeptical of your skepticism and take a day to be skeptical of your skepticism is is probably like i don't want to say it's like how you trick a child but it's how you trick a child or somebody who's this obnoxious into like thinking they're being extra smart oh you don't like broccoli well think about broccoli not as broccoli but as something more Something beyond that is vegetable or fruit. Yeah. Food or non It's like how you trick a child into going indoors to get you something by saying, I'll time you. It's like you have to make them feel like they're doing something special to to do what they don't want it, to, to accomplish the task that they don't really want to do. So for this person, you have to make them feel like they're being extra smart by, by uh, celebrating Halloween. They're being skeptical of their skepticism. I agree. This is a much better way to take this question. Um, so we'll move on. He's got three more paragraphs. Let's see if he gets to a point. It takes a truly open mind to maintain having a truly open mind. Our mind's impulse is to solve the world, but just because our mind thinks it has solved the world doesn't mean the world is solved. The gods laugh not at our desire for truth, but at our haste in declaring that we have figured the truth out, once and for all. Throughout history, our hubris has unnecessarily hindered our imagination and ability to gain deeper insights. This is an unnecessary tragedy. Science and that which is not science are more closely related than many of us care to realize. The material and the immaterial are made for each other. The empty space allows the things which fill up the space. 
This is the threatening and uncomfortable idea that motivates our hunger for knowledge, but which is ultimately insatiable by the very nature of the tools we are using to extract meaning from the world. We must not forget that science is of the world and not above it. We can only learn so much about our minds because we are also using our minds to do so. This is something to celebrate and encourage and delight in, and not something to fear or resent or to try to eliminate. Science must make room for the rest of the world. Our beliefs must make room for possibility, the unknown, and the unexplainable. And most of all, our mind must make room for itself. Happy Halloween, your friend, Andrew W.K. Yeah, that was a pretty good answer. Uh, is, is the concept of this that he uses the question as a jumping off point to talk about issues of philosophy or issues of no, knowledge there have been or like knowing? Much, okay. There have been much more direct answers to questions before. Then I would be, a, I'm a little thrown off by him taking that route, but I guess it it was a perfectly fine answer. It's, it's not, <laughs> it's, it, it seems like it was almost a themed answer, like he wanted to talk about something and found a way to force the question into that paradigm. I didn't see a lot of good pragmatic advice. I, actually, now that we are at the end of it, I would actually say that I think our advice was better. Yeah, yeah. Now that <laughs> in we're terms at the end of it, like, I change it. It's like very yeah. much like you got lost into some... He got lost. He got lost in the sauce. He got lost in the sauce. Uh, he shouldn't have taken all their shots before writing that answer. Um, but... <laughs> Yeah, I think he 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 had some uh he had some flashbacks to some like college philosophy course and then started like typing away in a sweaty furor. Yeah, yeah, his eyes rolled back into his head and he just typed. <laughs> That's kind of what it feels like. Like I'm not it really feels like he was only ever tangentially touching on the question. All right, Paul. So anything else to say about this uh, article or are you, you ready to go on to the next one? I think I'm ready. I'm ready, Broseph. All right, dude. That was Andrew W.K. Uh, I, I'll be excited to have him on at another point. I'm very excited to at one point bring in his uh, should I do heroin question. Please tell me he says yes. Please tell me he says yes. Please tell me. <laughs> I have not read the answer. <laughs> so we'll see. All right. What do you got for us this week, Polly? I have a, I have a classic. I have Mrs. Abigail Van Buren, Dear Abby. Oh, shit. Which, for people who have visited our website, bigfactsnocap.co, her image is actually the header image for our website and the header image for our brand new YouTube channel. So, you know, check that out, y'all. Uh, physically assault that subscribe button, bros. <laughs> what Adrian <laughs> said. Okay, so Abigail Van Buren. Which, have we ever talked about how her name is like, she's like a duchess or something? Is that is that an interesting point? Is that anything? No, but last time that we brought up Alton Brown, I was absolutely in a tizzy after that recording that I didn't bring up the fact that his dog is named Scabigail Van Buren. <laughs> <laughs> they call her Scabs. I think they rescued her and she might have like had some scabs, maybe. I don't know. what. Oh, she's okay. hetachromatic too, so... Uh, She's a very like bug-eyed kind of weird-looking um, bulldog. Or and who's a big enough bulldog. fan of Dear Abby to even know her real name? That is so. Weird. I think Alton Brown like was very much. This is like a product of his time, where like I think this was probably bigger than we realize. Um, okay, so uh, Dear Abby has daughter plagued by demon. Need professional help now. A letter sent to her in November twenty-fourth of two thousand four. Hmm. Adrian, you want to guess what this is about? It's kind of, it's, I know it's a cryptic title. Daughter Plagued by Demon Needs Professional Help Now. It kind of reminds me of like what you would put in like a newspaper ad. Like of like, uh, <laughs> this is the way that it's worded. 
because there's almost like a vague sense to it that based on the way the sentence is constructed it's the demon that needs professional help like he's trying to get his cv together for a job interview yeah there is no comma between the demon and the professional help now. <laughs> yeah. daughter, daughter playing by demon by demon who needs professional help now <laughs> um but yeah let's let's just get into it i think uh, i think i kind of get the gist wait agent can we can can i get you to play some spooky music over this while i read it on your end <laughs> you are now entering the big facts new cap spooky zone dearest abigail the recent behavior of my 13 year old daughter julie has begun to concern me she and i are very close it has been just the two of us up until the last two years. I plan to be married next spring. Last July, we moved to a small town, and Julie was upset about it, but her misgivings lessened as she began to make new friends. My problem is, my daughter has become interested in demons to the point that she thinks and tells people she is a half-demon. Julie's new friends are also into the demon-pretending phase. I wasn't concerned until I saw a letter from Julie. She had written to her father, talking about the demon and asking if he was one. It went on to say that there is trouble here and a demon killer is at her school. She said it wants to kill them and has given her signs. How can I get my daughter back without making her miserable? After school activities are not offered here. The scariest part of all is our underfunded education system. After school activities are not offered here. Learning self-defense was originally an option until she started hitting older boys and asking why they didn't hit her back. Should I take her friends away? Talk to her parents? I don't know what to do. Once a good parent in Oklahoma. Um, should I take her friends away? That's the scariest wording. <laughs> That's the scariest thing about all this. That and the underfunded education system. <laughs> so... Right? She's clearly actually possessed, and this mom is at the beginning of a horror movie. <laughs> is there any other um, answer to this? Hold on. Give me, like, 30 seconds to reread this. I was a little distracted while you were reading it, to be honest, <laughs> with the music going on. Yeah, I actually have a couple thoughts off top. So, one, um, I don't think anyone named Julie has ever been possessed by a demon. She's not possessed. She's a half-demon. She was born a half-demon. So, that actually is my before. second point, is that this is a really good setup for a YA novel. Yeah, I'm like a Ella Percy Jackson. <laughs> I guess it's actually much less creepy than like an exciting way for her to give herself like a special meaning to her. Life. Oh, I think if you if you consider this as like step, the next step is that she joins a uh, summer program or like a school for young demons or half demons. Uh, I think that's a good first book. Julie, uh, she wrote a uh, a letter to my ex husband Beelzebub, uh, asking if he was a demon. <laughs> And I mean, he was a devil on the dance floor, but that was about it. <laughs> All right. So what do you think the advice to the parents should be? Uh, right. Why are you writing into Dear Abby? Do what the other advice columnists I found did and write into a Christian advice column, a Catholic one, and get yourself an exorcism. That is true. Abby seems to have secular leanings, even if I don't think she expresses them openly. Yeah. As like her part of her identity. Um, I mean, honestly, I think you kind of hit it on the head. This is 2004. This is probably a girl who was into like... She was probably into YA novels, and it, this is probably a fun LARP for her, for, like, finding a level of, like, meaning to her life. I, I think back then parents might not have realized when a child was being, like, a was being like a live journal, like, just, like, kind of a quirky mm. blogging kid who was, like, having a little bit of fun versus, like... This is a precursor... 
Yeah. This is like a precursor to like a Tumblr kid who's like a dragonkin now. Yeah, I think or it's maybe a precursor like five years to that ago. type of thing. I don't know if it's actually like super troubling. Probably talk to her and make sure she have an in-depth discussion with her where you make sure what her boundaries are for like what she considers reality and what she considers not reality. Because if her friends in it with her, they don't I doubt it's a it's a multiple person delusion. They're probably both having some fun and you're a little bit old school, so you don't get that this is kind of like in the mythos for like what kids think is interesting is being a half magical creature. But if she doesn't yeah. have a good boundary in her mind for what's real and what's fake, take her into a therapist. Otherwise, she's going to do some Slender Man shit, you know what I mean? That's what I was thinking about. I was thinking about that girl and her yeah. friend who killed a kid for a Slender Man. But I wouldn't over-interpret that in your mind as being the likely option. I think you should use it as a parenting strategy where, like, anytime she doesn't want to eat her vegetables, you just be like, oh, I read that demons love vegetables, so I, I thought you would love it if you're really a demon. <laughs> hmm? Hmm, Julie? <laughs> I heard demons love going to bed on time <laughs> and doing their homework. <laughs> Um, that wouldn't be very demon of you not to do your homework, Julie. <laughs> oh, I guess you've been lying about being a demon all along. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I should call your friend and let her know that you're not actually a demon. <laughs> <laughs> she should really gaslight yeah. her by putting like... Manipulate your children. <laughs> yeah, no, no. I'm saying she should play into her being a demon by like putting like shavings in her head and be like, oh, uh, your horns must be like starting to come in and... <laughs> Uh, I would say definitely don't like take her to a church or something where like some wacky person who believes in weird shit's gonna do something to your child. Like, definitely keep it between you and like a therapist and your child, uh, for sure. <laughs> don't show up throwing holy water at her, going devil be gone. <laughs> she shows up with a bottle of Voss and she's like, I don't know if this is holy water, but it costs three dollars for a bottle, so I assume something's in it. <laughs> All right, uh, I'll go ahead and jump into the answer. Or do we have more ideas? Yeah, dude, let's see Let's see how Abby would handle this in all her, all her expertise. Dear parent, I don't think her answer is spooky, so we don't need the music over the answer. Um, dear parent, call your doctor and arrange for a psychiatric evaluation for your daughter. Her letter to her father and her acting out against the boy suggests that she could have a serious mental problem. Please don't wait. The doctor can help you decide whether she should be kept away from her new friends or whether she should speak to their parents. However, your first priority should be to get professional help for your child. Boo. It's kind of boring. Yeah, Abby's so fucking boring. It, it really felt like she was trying to avoid a lawsuit. Like, just tell them to just tell them to go get psychiatric evaluation for their daughter, and uh, they can't mm -hmm. sue you if she ends up killing somebody. She didn't say anything about strapping your child to the bed to make sure that they can't go around hurting <laughs> any more people. Yeah, any more to say about that? Or She should claim that she's one-eighths demon. That her great like great grandfather was demon, so it's like she's a little bit mm. demon, but not enough for her to actually be that into it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. She can't get a scholarship for being demon enough. <laughs> do you think <laughs> she's only one? -eighth. Do you think uh, she should she should tell her it's offensive to appropriate demon culture? Kids care about that. Oh uh, yeah, stuff. they do nowadays. I don't think in two thousand four they did. Ooh, that's true. Yeah. Um... She should tell her she's not a demon. She's the man and give her a fist bump. <laughs> All right. I feel like there's not much more to... Can I Can I really quickly comment on the fact that um, when you told me to pick some scary music, the first thing I went to was a uh, classical music piece written for the victims of Hiroshima. So that's what I played during your, during your, <laughs> during your reading. What if a victim of Hiroshima listens and is offended? 
and then possesses you. Oh no! <laughs> Paul, your mother sucks dicks in hell. It's no longer Paul. It is now me, Hiroshima victim. Just for context, that's the really famous line from uh, The Exorcist. It is now me, Cluff K. Paul, I am your father. <laughs> what are we doing right now? I don't know. Silly voices. <laughs> Silly demon voices. <laughs> I don't think Darth Vader was supposed to be a demon, but I haven't seen those movies in a while. Maybe? I mean, he was an imperialist, so as far as I'm concerned. As far as you're concerned, what? (laughs) (laughs) Wait, was he? That is the uh, narrative of Star Wars, right? Is that the Empire is like an imperialist uh, nation or something in the Rebel Force? I don't don't watch Star Wars, so I don't really know. Yeah, we're not geeks. We don't waste our time with that bullshit. We're not a fucking, we're not a bunch of fucking nerds. Oh, by the way, we'll cut this out, but really fun thing is, uh, you know, I told you about that Um Actually show? Yeah. The most recent episode had Thomas Middleditch, and so the character he was playing is he came in with football pads on, and he was just trying to be, he was just like, I don't know nothing about this geek shit, man. I'm a fucking, I'm a fucking footballer, man. It's just so fucking funny. And like, whenever he answered a question, he was like, man, I, I hate that I know this, but like, the answer is this. Uh, it's so fucking funny. Dude, it's what yeah. Uh, problematic man, sort of, but like, just so fucking funny. Wait, Thomas Middleditch is problematic? People found a uh, interview that he did in Playboy very kind of problematic because it was very obvious that he kind of forced his wife into a poly relationship whenever he got famous. Uh, and then they like filed for divorce like a few months after that interview. Have you ever, you should watch the Louis Theroux documentary on poly relationship. Um, all right. So moving into our third segment today, we both have brought in dueling scary stories and i kind of asked adrian to do this segment where the thing about scary stories is more than even regular stories they follow tropes almost exclusively like the idea of having a twist or reframing things in a scary story is like incredibly every scary movie is just the hero's journey (laughs) um and and they do generally follow a format and they are full of tropes And usually there's an idea of an unknown that eventually gets revealed either at the end in a twist or you usually pretty much see it coming because the actual mechanics of the twist aren't what's important. It's the buildup. But because of that, a lot of the stories are somewhat predictable. So I asked Adrian, let's grab some scary stories and present them to each other and see if halfway through the scary story, we can, the other person can decipher what the incoming ending is and it's more like three-fourths of the way through but yeah me and adrian kind of interpreted this differently adrian brought in very short scary stories that he could actually read fully i condensed longer scary stories kind of classics and internet creepypastas into short one sentence blurbs and asked if he could tell what would happen at the end of the story so you're gonna get two different things from me and adrian um clearly my interpretation was the superior one but uh we'll go ahead and jump right into it y'all well, one of them is way more fun to actually listen to on a podcast where I'm actually going to read it out in a scary voice. But we're going to kind of split this up into two parts where uh, the trade-off section is going to be me doing two-sentence horror. And then the second section where Paul has no uh, secondary part for it, it's just going to be me quizzing Paul. Those are like actual like, you know, one or two paragraph stories that I'll read and then ha- they have a twist on them. Really quickly, I am going to say that I got all of mine from Redditors and I will list their information in the, in the, uh, the description. So if you want to know... Uh, who's credited for these stories. I'll leave that in the description. 
Paul, are you ready to play What's the Twist? Yeah. Come on down. Whoa, whoa, right. whoa. That's me that's me screaming as I go downstairs. <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. Hey Adrian, it's a pleasure to be here. I'll first time long time. <laughs> Alright. This is a two sentence horror. Please take me instead, I scream, grabbing at the two men who took my child. And I I have to that that's the first sentence in the story and I have to come up with a second. Yep. Hey, take my wife, why don't you? The two men say in response. <laughs> Have you even tried her cooking? <laughs> Final answer? Yeah. <laughs> Alright, so the full story is, Please, take me instead, I scream, grabbing at the two men who took my child. Sorry, ma'am. Children only, they said, as they continue loading up the last lifeboat on the ship. <laughs> Damn, that is dark. Yeah. I love a good horror that relies on parents being shitty parents because it's an experience that I don't know. <laughs> so my first one, I will actually, I'll read a little bit of the beginning of it. Okay. So this is a classic internet horror story called called Candle Cove. It's delivered in the form of a forum posting. And so I'll read a couple of the, uh, I'll read a couple of the, uh, posts and then ask you where you think it's headed sky shale 033 posts subject candle cove local kids show does anyone remember this kids show it was called candle cove and i must have been six or seven i never found references it to it anywhere so i think it was on a local station around 1971 or 1972 i lived in ironton at the time i don't remember which station but i do remember it was at a weird time like 4 per 4 p.m so people go back and forth like i sort of remember this i sort of remember that um 4 p.m the weirdest time uh eventually here's another post from so it's like different people with different names like replying to him is mike painter 65 and kevin underscore heart and jaren 2005 so eventually thank you jaren memories flooded back when you mentioned the laughing stock in channel 58 i remember the bow of the ship with a wooden smiling face and a lower jaw submerged it looked like it was swallowing the sea, and it had an awful Ed Wynn voice and laugh. I especially remember how jarring it was when they switched from the wooden-slash-plastic model to the foam puppet version of the head that talked. Haha, <laughs> I remember that too. Do you remember the part, Sky Shale? You have to go inside. And then Sky Shale responds, Ugh, Mike, I get a chill reading that. Yes, I remember. That's what the ship always told Percy when there was a spooky place he had to go in, like a cave or a dark room where the treasure was. When the camera would push on laughing stock's face with each pause you have to go inside with the two eyes askew and that flopping foam jaw and the fishing line that opened and closed it Ugh, it was looking so cheap and awful you guys remember the villain he had a face that was just a handlebar mustache above really tall narrow teeth another post so this is a relatively long one so i'm just trying to like yeah i think so remember his mouth didn't open and close his jaw just slid back and forth i remember the little girl say why does your mouth move like that? And the skin taker, that's the name of the main villain in the show. And the skin taker didn't look at the girl, but at the camera and would say to grind your skin. Okay. And then Sky Shale eventually posts. I'm so relieved that other people remember this terrible show. I used to have this awful memory. Bad dream I had where the opening jingle ended. The show faded in from black and all the characters were there, but the camera was just cutting to each of their faces and they were just screaming and the puppets and marionettes were falling spastically and just all screaming, screaming. The girl was just moaning and crying like she had been through hours of this. 
I woke up many times from that nightmare. I used to wet my bed when I had it. Um, and then other people basically say, that wasn't a dream. I, I know for a fact I saw that episode. People agree on that back and forth. And then the final post on the forum is somebody saying, uh, I just visited my mom today and asked her about the show. So Adrian, call the twist. What does the mother say about the show? Um, She says that there is no such episode and the twist is that it's like a collective uh hallucination or delusion somewhat i'll read the post to you mike painter 65 posts i visited my mom today at the nursing home i asked her about when i was little in the early 70s when i was eight or nine and she remembered a kid's show called candle cove she said she was surprised i could remember that and i asked why and she said because i used to think it was so strange that you said i'm gonna go watch candle cove now mom and then you would tune the tv to static and just watch dead air for 30 minutes you had a big imagination with your little pirate show Ooh, damn that's good um pretty good story i'm pretty sure i've read that creepypasta before but it's been a long time mm -hmm. yeah i'm doing classics so a lot of these i think might like trigger a little like yeah synapse I, I will say the the uh two-sentence horror that i'm doing is like from top all time so like, i don't read these reddit are... horror so it's not like okay i'm not cool <laughs> also to our audience obviously spoilers if you yeah, want to avoid spoilers. Spo spoilers skip back to the beginning of this episode and re-listen to that so we still get the uh, full listen on <laughs> so we get the airtime yeah okay here we go <clears throat> next question paul here we go my husband has been very upset with me since my failed suicide attempt God, these are really hard because the whole clever part is the second sentence. So it's like just asking me to reinvent what somebody got to the top of all time by inventing. Um, Should we do a Jeopardy one where I give you the uh, second sentence and you try and guess the first sentence? <laughs> <laughs> that might actually be funny, but let me... Okay, my husband's been really upset at me since the suicide attempt. Maybe something about her already being dead, like the second sentence is... I, oh, okay, it's going to be something like he's dead because she killed him and then tried to commit suicide. My husband's been so upset at me since since the suicide attempt. His disembembered head keeps has a very blank look in its stare. Damn, Paul, that's fire. You should start doing this. Uh, You actually had it right the first time. So the whole story is, my husband has been very upset with me since my failed suicide attempt. He's crying nonstop and he won't acknowledge me. Oh, uh, damn. I think yours is better, to be honest. Unfortunately, I can't give you a point for being a good horror writer, but a ho good horror guesser. All right. Okay. Um, oh, did you give me a point for that first one or no? I, I wasn't really thinking we were keeping track of points. Audience, keep track of points for yourself. It's a competition. <laughs> All right. Um, do, do you want a point for it? No, no, no. I already knew that the story was like. This is like when teachers. Said, this is like when teachers ask you to self grade. Why would you not just ask for your point? <laughs> Why yeah, would you? Okay. I never got that. I would always say a hundred. Why wouldn't I? <laughs> like, what is this fake humility boy. where I'm just gonna be like, you know what? I think I deserve an A minus. <laughs> yeah, that's a really humble grade. I like that. <laughs> Give me a half a point for that last one. Uh, okay, so when Pokemon Red and Green were released in Japan and players would reach Lavender Town and hear the theme music, what would happen to Japanese children in this classic Lavender Town creepypasta? Man, Lavender Town was creepy, just like as it was. Uh, obviously, it's not 
the dead Cubone because that's like what actually happened in the in the game. Um, is it that the, like their game becomes possessed and like becomes a whole totally different game? Is that your final answer? Uh, yeah, that's all I got. Wrong. They commit suicide because the scene music has secret high pitched tones only they can hear that drives them to madness. And, oh, the brown note. And, well, that one makes you poop. This one, <laughs> this one drives Japanese children to suicide. And and the creepy pasta also goes through how like the suicide numbers of like Japanese children were hidden from the like public. That's pretty good. Pretty pretty creepy. And I'll say that the uh, pasta there, perfectly al dente. <laughs> Chef's kiss. Um, it's been almost a decade since I last saw my mother. I'm gonna ask you: Does this mirror either of the last two answers? Uh, a little bit, yeah. Making me think either him or the mom is dead. Or her or the mom is dead. It's been almost a decade since I've seen my mother. Yeah, since I last saw my mother. Is it a play on the word saw where it's something to do with blindness? How would that be a play on blind? I thought you were going to say, is it a saw like she saw her mother? <laughs> like, I, <laughs> like, I guess, like, saw. rather than being a euphemism for death, are they blind? That's going to be my guess. They're blind rather than death i don't know mm, how that would be a mm, horror mm. element though okay is that your final answer yeah uh okay so the whole story is it's been almost a decade since i last saw my mother and she still reminds me every day that if i misbehave again she'll take my hearing damn so i was kind of right yeah i gave you a point for that one nice thank you so for the next one we have a classic this is actually one of my favorites so if you're looking for a good recommendation for a horror story to read i would recommend is this the spongebob one <laughs> no <laughs> i would recommend the story it is called uh it's a japanese horror story about a woman called eight foot tall or i think i'm googling it now for you guys uh i think the Jack japanese name of it is hachisi hakusama Eight foot tall or Hachisi Hakasuma is a Japanese urban legend about an eight foot tall woman. So mm. I specifically, I think there's a few versions of the story. The one I picked out is the one I always enjoyed. And a summary of the story is that a girl, an American girl travels to Japan to visit her grandparents. Um, while in Japan, she kind of describes this creepy woman peeking over the fence who's incredibly tall staring at her. She uh, notices that, goes indoors, describes it to her grandparents, who immediately freak out and tell her the story of an uh, eight-foot-tall woman who kidnaps, steals, and presumably, I guess, kills children. So what they, they start doing, like, they put her in a room. They say, no matter what happens, uh, eight-foot-tall can take people's voices. No matter what happens, stay in the room. They do, like, uh, forget... There, there's like a uh, certain rituals they do like i think they either like give her salt or they give her something to do to like kind of ward off hit, uh eight foot tall from being able to enter the room and they say she'll take our voices do not open the room for anybody until sunrise so she has to be in the room all day she hears like knocking on the door her grandma going oh it actually turns out it's fine come out now you can come out of the room it's actually not like Ooh, that's spooky her uh her grandpa doing a similar thing the next day she finally leaves the room her grandma and grandpa take her and some local like 
townspeople and they immediately take her to the airport and they send her off to America with the warning of like never return to Japan um like she'll come after you now at any age like you're no longer safe in Japan it's in the spirit of this area uh, and throughout all of this the tell would be that anytime she got away from Hikikimori or uh from eight foot tall woman her signature was once like after she would like steal somebody's voice she would eventually have to do the sound pull 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 that was like her her natural voice if she wasn't stealing somebody's voice for the moment years pass she is back in america the girl's back in america her grandfather dies her grandmother calls her what is the twist ending to this story what's the word that she says in english p.o it's just the sound pull 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 hmm her grandfather dies and her grandmother calls her to come back to japan or just to call her okay so she just calls her and oof I'm very intrigued. I don't think I have a good uh, answer for this one. I'm gonna guess um, the grandma ca- calls the the granddaughter and talks to the granddaughter for a while until she realizes that the granddaughter is doing one of those like fake voicemail things where like it pretends like she like answered <laughs> like the phone <laughs> and then like ten minutes later she's like ah this is my voicemail <laughs> hit me up later uh, and then she's perfectly fine at the end. Well, I'm going to go ahead and say, no, that's not right. It actually ends with the grandmother saying, oh, it's been so long. I'm sure it's safe to come to Japan. And the daughter goes, what about eight foot tall? And then the grandmother goes, oh, no, 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 really, it's safe. And she goes, I really don't feel comfortable. And then on the other end of the line, she hears, pull, 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 pull. But she already stole the grandma's voice. She she did it again. She What? Eight foot tall pretended to be the grandma again to call her to try to get her to come to Japan to kill her yeah but i thought when she i thought she only said po 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 if she didn't have a voice that was her uh, oh i must have explained that poorly no that was just her natural voice like she could take it she could pretend to be anyone at any time oh all right okay i'll give you back a point for the candle cove since you got close on that one and didn't want the point all right all right that's how we'll do the average of those two (laughs) all right uh pretty good story actually so um like i said i watched audition recently and like the big takeaway from that is uh the the main well she's not really a villain because she's it's it's very like a morally ambiguous person i suppose but uh kitty 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 which is um it means like deeper or like stab uh, and so when she's doing these like needles in his body during the torture scene she just keeps saying like kitty 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 while she's doing it and that's like the big like if you say that to someone who's watched the movie and was traumatized by it that like sends them off or whatever uh yeah but uh okay cool so um and excuse my you know pronunciation there uh all right question four all my life my parents told me not to open the basement door but i got curious and disobeyed them i can't believe that there was the rest of the world upstairs uh is that your final guess yes so this is the number one story of all time on the two sentence horror all my life my parents told me not to open the basement door, but I got curious and disobeyed them. What is that glowing ball in the sky, and why does it hurt my eyes? Hey! Yep, 100%. It's another point for Polly Paul. Yeah, good little twist. Okay, this is a slightly racist one. A family vacationing in Mexico takes home a hairless pet dog that they fall in love with on the streets of Mexico. They get home and take the dog to a vet. What do they discover? 
Sorry, read that one more time. A family vacationing in Mexico falls in love with a hairless pet dog. They take the dog to the vet. What do they discover? It's actually just like a deformed child. I'll give you a point for that because that's even scarier than the actual answer, which is it's a large Mexican sewer rat. What? <laughs> that's not scary. <laughs> I guess in the actual story, they let it sleep with their kid in his bed for a night before they take it to the vet. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I guess it's more a, cra- a classic urban legend than scary story. Uh-huh. Wait, that makes sense. Two points. All right. So we're tied so far. Last round. Here we go, Paul. Tinder is completely useless, and I don't have a single match. I'm going to say that the second half of that story, and my name is Adrian. Ooh, damn. <laughs> That's the scariest thing of all. Uh, final answer? Uh, love <laughs> maybe not. Yeah, this, this, is the, this is the game point, so. I honestly don't know. All right, well, I definitely saved the toughest for last. Here we go. Tinder is completely useless, and I don't have a single match. If I don't find another way to start a campfire tonight, I'll freeze to death. Oh, that's so stupid. <laughs> I, yeah. don't, I don't like that at all. How is that the top post Your of mind's all time? been corrupted by the modern world, Paul. You don't even think about the other meanings that words have, you idiot. <laughs> that's, that's so obnoxious. How, how did people think that was so clever? Needed to be the top post of all time. So what's actually really great is, do you want to know what the second uh, most upvoted post of all time is that I didn't include because I thought it was so stupid? What? It was something along the lines of, uh, my kid is slowly dying from, uh, like, polio. Second sentence, but at least he doesn't have autism from that vaccine. Wait, what? Like, it's literally a purely political, like, uh, two cents horror story. <laughs> uh, okay. There's another one that I thought was, like, so crazy, because the, the two-sentence horror of it was, like, there's a rapist that's been going around town for the last couple years that hasn't been caught yet. Second sentence. And no one cares about trying to stop her. And everyone... <laughs> it's like a men's right post. They're like, yeah, if a woman was a rapist, no one would care. <laughs> it's like, what? I was like, what subreddit am I on? What is this? <laughs> Fucking... It it fuck I got yeeted like out of this world from that okay, one, dude. Okay. I was let like, me, what let the me fuck? write a let me write a two two sentence horror post. Um <laughs> Oh my god. I lost all my things to that fire. Do you wanna know what the second sentence is? It's the fire festival that was hosted by Ja Rule. <laughs> Damn, that's also good. Damn, I should have never married fire. Mmm. That's what I'm saying. The force court is unfair to men. Am I right, fellas? <laughs> uh, the fire one wouldn't work because uh, it's F-Y-R-E, so like in a written medium. Oh, yeah. <laughs> wouldn't make... Shout out um, to my kings. The force court is so unfair. Yeah. Gamers rise up. <laughs> All right. Well, that was a really fun segment. Do you want to do the extra segment or do you think we've gone on too long? Um, I think we've gone on too long. We'd have to probably cut too much. We're at two hours, uh, which right. means if we cut, uh, I don't know. Unless unless you think that wasn't fun and you want the, uh... I definitely don't want to replace it. I mean, do you want to do, like, two and see if we can stick one in? Okay, yeah, let's do that. I think these are pretty obvious, but I think they're good horror stories, so I'm, I'm fine with... Uh, oh, wait, 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 I didn't do my last one. Oh, did you not? No. 
Um, oh shit! All right, let's do that. So I didn't get yours. So if you get this one right, you're 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 on a winning streak. So there's a man, and this story is him describing his happy life, and it's basically just like this happy story, except it's like one of those one thing is off things, where he he talks about how every once in a while, in the middle of an interaction with like a grocery store clerk, with his mom, with his boss, with any random person anywhere. Sometimes he'll just see them like kind of turn their head to him, stare right into his eyes throughout his entire life and just go, get up. And then like, just go back to normal or please get up or some sort of variation or please wake up of that. Uh, I'm going to guess that it's uh, his life flashing before his eyes. That is wrong. It is a coma. He was in a coma all uh... along and it was people at the hospital trying to get him to get out of the coma. Damn. All right. That's pretty similar, but I get it. Tie. It's a tie. All right, Paul. So to end this kind of smorgasbord of uh, horror, I wanted to read you maybe one, maybe two short stories, but are that you know that are longer than two sentence horror, and uh, see if you can guess the twist. So let's get into it to end this episode. <clears throat> I'm gonna try and do my best horror story voice. It was 1 a.m., and Guy Halverson sat in his dark living room. He hadn't moved for over an hour. The accident earlier that evening kept playing over and over in his mind. The light turned red, but he was in a hurry and accelerated. An orange blur came from his right, and in a split second, there was a violent jolt. Then... The bicyclist rolled across his hood and fell out of sight on the pavement. Horns blared angrily, and he panicked, stepping on the gas and screeching away from the chaos into the darkness, shaken and keeping an eye out on his rearview mirror until he got home. Why did you run, you idiot? He'd never committed a crime before this, and punished himself by imagining years in jail, his career gone, his family gone his future gone. But why not just go to the police right now? You can afford a lawyer. Then someone tapped on the front door, and his world suddenly crumbled away beneath him. They found me. There was nothing he could do but to answer it. Running would only make matters worse. His body trembling, he got up, went to the door and opened it. A police officer stood under the porch light. Mr. Haverson asked the grim officer, pause damn so there's a twist so he's clearly did he did he run over a murderer who was out murdering people oh he killed somebody they're there to tell him that his dad or his wife just died in a road accident and was run over by somebody that's okay, it that's cool. a twist all right so write that down and then we're gonna act like you didn't say anything and we'll talk at the end <clears throat> A police officer stood under the porch light. Mr. Haverson asked the grim officer. He let out a defeated sigh. Yes, let me... I'm terribly sorry, but I'm afraid I have some bad news. Your son's bike was struck by a hit-and-run driver this evening. He died at the scene. I'm very sorry for your loss. Yeah, he nailed that one. All right, one more? Um, yeah, yeah. All right. I don't know if that's a horror story. That's more like of existential drama or something. Oh, that's definitely horror. That's like a very like 
yeah, I think that fits in there. When my sister Betsy and I were kids, our family lived for a while in a charming old farmhouse. We loved exploring its dusty corners and climbing the apple tree in the backyard. But our favorite thing was the ghost. We called her mother because she seemed so kind and nurturing. Some mornings, Betsy and I would wake up, and on each of our nightstands, we'd find a cup that hadn't been there the night before. Mother had left them there, worried that we'd get thirsty during the night. She just wanted to take care of us. Among the house's original furnishings was an antique wooden chair, which we kept against the black wall of the living room. Whenever we were preoccupied, watching TV or playing a game, Mother would inch the chair forward across the room towards us. Sometimes she'd manage to move it all the way to the center of the room. We always felt sad putting it back against the wall. Mother just wanted to be near us. Years later, long after we'd moved out, I found an old newspaper article about the farmhouse's original occupant, a widow. She was Pause. a widow because she murdered her, her husband and children by poisoning them with drinks. Years later, long after we'd moved out, I found an old newspaper article about the farmhouse's original occupant, a widow. She murdered her two children by giving them each a cup of poisoned milk before bed. Then she had hanged herself. The article included a photo of the farmhouse's living room, with a woman's body hanging from a beam. Beneath her, knocked over, was the old wooden chair, placed exactly in the center of the room. Yeah, so she didn't marry, she didn't kill her husband because she was already a widow, but oh, you got okay. the fact that she killed her children, yeah. Damn, I kind of like this. Keep going. Let's let's do more. I think I'm thinking. Oh, working. all right. I'll do the other supernatural one that I really like. I think this is another kind of obvious one, but I think it's a. This is what I envisioned was like. I just want like the. I want whoever's in their car right now, like driving somewhere, to like just be able to experience these stories. How should I should I adjust my scary voice? Should I like try and make it deeper, or should I try and make it like? You're fine. I don't think either of us is really gonna freak people out with our voices. Hey, look <laughs> to the huge. <laughs> All right, yeah, I don't think I have a good voice for this. He awoke to the huge, insect-like creatures looming over his head and screamed his lungs out. They hastily left the room, and he stayed up all night, shaking and wondering if it had been a dream. The next morning, there was a tap on the door. Gathering his courage, he opened it to see one of them gently place a plate filled with fried breakfast on the floor, then retreat to a safe distance. Bewildered, he accepted the gift. The creatures chittered excitedly. This happened every day for weeks. At first he was worried they were fattening him up, but after a particularly greasy breakfast, left him clutching his chest from heartburn, they were replaced with fresh fruit. As well as cooking, they poured hot, steamy baths for him, and even tucked him in when he went to bed. It was bizarre. One night he awoke to gunshots and screaming. He raced downstairs to find a decapitated burglar being devoured by the insects. He was sickened, but disposed of the remains as best he could. He knew they had just been protecting him. One morning, the creatures wouldn't let him leave his room. He lay down, confused but trusting as they ushered him back into bed. Whatever their motives, they weren't going to hurt him. I think I know what it is. Sorry? They've definitely laid eggs in him. All right. 
One morning, the creatures wouldn't let him leave his room. He lay down, confused but trusting, as they ushered him back into bed. Whatever their motives, they weren't going to hurt him. Hours later, a burning pain spread throughout his body. It felt like his stomach was filled with razor wire. The insects chittered as he spasmed and moaned. It was only when he felt a terrible squirming feeling beneath his skin that he realized. The insects hadn't been protecting him. They had been protecting their young. Yeah, totally got it. So this was kind of more, yeah, those are a better example of, like, why tropes are so easy to, or, like, the twists that come in horror stories are usually so easy to see coming. They're usually, they follow such a, like, a formula that 99.9% of the time you've either heard it or heard something similar to it, like. Yeah, absolutely. I think for me, uh. Not that it makes them bad, like, they're still, they still work, they still give you that feeling. For me, I think the big thing is, for horror movies, having the added element of visual uh, stuff going on. Um, and then for these, like, written stuff, it's kind of the, uh, like, self-paced. You kind of just move through the story and get to the twist uh, on your own pace. That usually, like, uh, makes it kind of unnerving. But, yeah, most of these are pretty pretty obvious. Do you want to do one more anymore? Or do you want to do- your choice if you have a good one that you really want the audience to hear. I watched as my soon-to-be father-in-law held his daughter's hand as we walked down the aisle. Tears streamed down his face as the wedding march that played in the background reminded him that, in a few minutes, he would be watching me hold his daughter's hand and slipping on her ring. He walked up to the altar and I took hold of her hand, grinning from ear to ear. It was the happiest day of my life. My bride's father got down on his knees and started begging, please, I did what you asked, just please give my daughter back. I'm confused, is it just a psychotic person who kidnap the guy's daughter and it's purposefully misunderstanding is that a trope can can you yeah i don't know i don't know all right my bride's father got down on his knees and started begging please i did what you asked just please give my daughter back i glared at him shut up and stop ruining the moment if you sit back down and enjoy the ceremony Maybe I'll tell you where I've hidden the rest of her body. Okay, so it was just a psychotic person who was purposefully like... So this is one that I thought you would get because they said hand so many times. Like, they very specifically made sure not to mention anything else about her. Oh, okay. It's literally him carrying a dismembered hand down for him to uh, put a ring on. Okay. Still seems weird. What's the murderer getting out of this? Who knows what anybody's getting out of shit like this? What, 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 a, what a question. Seems like they just invented something somebody would want because it worked for the story. Yeah, I, I'm not I'm not mad at that. <laughs> Last night, a friend rushed me out of the house to catch the opening act at a local bar's music night. After a few drinks, I realized my phone wasn't in my pocket. I checked the table we were sitting at, the bar, the bathrooms, and after no luck, I used my friend's phone to call mine. After two rings, someone answered, gave out a low, raspy giggle, and hung up. They didn't answer again. I eventually gave it up as a lost cause and headed home. Oh, he's gonna find his phone at home, and he's gonna know that there's somebody, like, waiting to, like, kill him because it's gonna be, like, on his bed or on his desk. I eventually gave it up as a lost cause and headed home. I found my phone laying on my nightstand, right where I left it. Yep, you got that one. All right, cool. Well, that was fun. Um, I'll also put the uh, I'll put 
the redditors names and then also the article that i got all these from for credit uh very good curation of some good reddit horror uh my no cap for this episode is kind of what i said to the person asking uh the first question from today which is it doesn't really matter how much you believe in anything spooky it's a fun time to let go and just like have a whole bunch of fun and enjoy the spooky season because man the spooky season is great and uh it's well, I don't want to get into COVID stuff, but it's very sad that we're not able to do Halloween the way we usually do, among many other things that have been sad. But in particular, this is one where, like, man, just it's just the best time of year, man. It's it's great. My big fact is that I'm also sad about not having Halloween like usual. And if you're one of Adrian's friends, I think you should specifically be extra sad about it because he would always go as, like, a slutty kitten or a slutty nurse, something like that. And now you guys are going to... I'm not going to have that opportunity to see Adrian dressed up as like a topical... A slutty Dora the Explorer. (laughs) (laughs) As a topical slutty theme. Like last year, I think he went as a White Claw. This year, he would have gone as like Donald Trump being impeached or whatever, or COVID. He would have gone as slutty COVID, you know. I'm almost certain... I actually am almost certain I've seen an article about how slutty COVID costumes are like trending this year. (laughs) Awesome. All right, cool uh we will see you guys next week paul this is a whole lot of fun it was fun uh, and it was uh more importantly spooky break it down i was working late on my half torah when i heard a knock on my bedroom door i opened it up and to my surprise there was a werewolf standing there with glowing gold eyes he says tomorrow my son you will be Man, tonight's the time to join the Wolfen Clan. Clan. Tomorrow you will stand at the beamer and pray. Tonight let's gaze at the moon and bathe. Werewolf for mitzvah, spooky, scary. Boys becoming men, men becoming wolf. Werewolf for mitzvah, spooky, scary. Boys becoming men, men becoming wolf.